Hope you have a wonderful day. So we left off at the, the second chapter in Gitin, 21b, on the bottom. The third line from the from the bottom. What if you write a get on the shard, on the earthenware of, of a perforated path? It's kosher. Why? Because we learned in the Mishnah that it has to be written, and the get, as soon as it's written, you give it to him without any delay. We give it to him without any delay. You can't write it on something that's attached, detach it, and then give it to him. Not kosher. It has to be ready to go. When you write it, the only thing that's missing is she has to receive it. So even though it's a perforated pot, which is considered like connected to the earth, and here you're, lifting, you're giving her, but I'm giving her the whole pot. I'm writing it on the, on the pot, on the, uh, on the earthenware, and I'm giving her the whole thing. So there's nothing missing. I write it, and it's ready, ready for delivery. So therefore, it's kosher. That's not a question. But the question is, what if you write it on the leaf of a perforated pot? So, Abayo, I'm a kosher. Abayo says it's kosher because I don't have to cut it off. I just pick up the pot and give her the whole pot. Rav Amar, Apostle. Rav says, no, it's possible. It's not good. The Gemara explains. Abayi, I'm a kosher. Abayi says kosher. We continue 22a. The shock of You don't have to cut anything. You don't have to detach anything. Yes, legally it's considered, since it's perforated, it's considered as if it's drawing its sustenance from the earth. It's like attached to the earth. But I just lift up the pot and have to cut anything. And I give it to her. So it's good to go. So it, it fits the requirement in the Torah. Write and give it. Nothing in between. Rava Amar Pazur. Rava says no. Rava says it's no good. Why not? He says, We're worried that maybe you will cut off the leaf. If you cut off the leaf, then there's something interrupting between the writing and the giving. You, you introduced a new, a, new, uh, a new step, which the Torah says no. So it's a decree. The rabbis say it's, we make a decree. And therefore, we say that it's not a kosher. It's not a kosher get. Is, you would think that the Rav's reason is because halachically, it's considered as attached to the earth. So when you lift off, like in Shabbos, in laws of Shabbos, and you lift off a pot, a perforated pot that's connected to the ground, you're violating Shabbos. You're like cutting off from its source. You're cutting off its sustenance from the earth. You're detaching it. So the fact that you're lifting it up should be considered, biblically, is considered detaching. So you're introducing another step. There's writing, then you detach it, and then you give it to her. That's why Rav, uh, should say it's prohibited. That's what you would think. And how, then how could Abayah argue and say it's kosher? And the whole argument is, the Gemara says, whether it's rabbinically we make a decree or not. Why? It should be a, a, literally a detaching. A detaching. So he says... He says, because, yes, halachically and biblically is considered detaching. On Shabbos, if you would lift up a perforated pot, you would get stoned to death. You desecrated Shabbos, you're detaching it from the earth. But here, since you're taking the whole pot and you're giving it to her, so, so you don't have a third step. There's writing, and the second thing that you do, you've done is you've detached and given it to her at the same time. So there is no third step. Here, when you have to cut, you're introducing a, a third step between the writing and the giving, you're cutting. Here, here the giving and the detaching simultaneous. 
by giving her, that is detaching. So the giving itself is detaching. So, but, so fine, what do I care if it's detached in the laws of Shabbos? Mm-hmm. But there's nothing, there's nothing between the writing and the giving. The giving is the mm-hmm. detaching. So everyone holds that there really is no problem. Only question is whether rabbinically the rabbis will make a decree. The rabbi, the rabbi says, we're worried since it's, it's perforated and it's attached to the ground, maybe the husband will cut off the leaf and give it to her. And that would, make, that would disqualify it because then you're introducing a second step between the writing and the giving. Rabbi says you don't have to worry. The rabbis did not make such a decree. He just give a, he'll just he just gives her the whole pack. Okay. Now the Gemara starts talking about the perforated pot. If you have a pot that belongs to one person, but the seeds that are growing belong to another person. The person is renting your pot, <laughs> renting your space, your real estate. Your pot, and he's growing things there. So, Moch, our and the owner of the pot sells the pot to the Balzeroyim, to the, the, the seeds. He wants to own the whole thing. He wants to buy, not just rent the space, he wants to, he wants to own the pot also. So, Kibben Shemoshach, once the buyer draws the pot to him, he lifts it, he pulls it to him, he acquires the pot. That's one of the ways you acquire it. It's in you pull, you draw it to you. So, <coughs> so since you are drawing the path into your, your, into your into public domain, your domain, so you acquire it's a good acquisition. Okay, okay that's understood. You're drawing and then you acquire it, fine. But what if... But what if the owner of the seed sells his seed to the owner of the pot? The owner of the pot doesn't acquire the seeds. You have to make an acquisition. You have to do something physical. So it doesn't help to pull the pot. He already owns the pot. What are you pulling? You're not, what are you acquiring? It won't help. See, how do you acquire the vegetation? The vegetation is attached to the ground. So it's like real estate. You don't acquire real estate. We said it's a perforated pot. So it's attached to the ground. It's drawing a substance from the earth. So yeah, it's like a piece of real estate. How do you acquire real estate? You can't acquire real estate through pulling. <laughs> the only way to acquire real estate is a chazaka. By, by, uh, by uh, demonstrating your ownership. By planting something or work doing something in the earth. To show that you do something physical to show that you're the owner. <coughs> By money or, or, or document or chazaka or doing something like weeding, doing something beneficial to the earth, to the, to the ground, to the, to the piece of real estate. So we're talking about over here, there was no money here. So therefore, you have to, the only way to acquire it is. Is you have to chazak. So even here you have an interesting th- theoretically. You say there's no mashicha reg- regularly. You would say there's no mashicha. You can't pull by uh, real estate because you can't pull. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to pull the land. You can't pull the land. You can't move the land. But here you have a theoretically. I could pull. I could pull the the perforated pot. I can move it, and I'm moving the land. But nevertheless, it doesn't work. 
He's saying here that even though you have another way of acquiring something, if someone places something in your property, your property acquires it for you. Your property is like your hand or like your agent. So by being in your property, if it's a guarded property or if you're standing next to it, then your property acquires it to you. So you would think, since he owns the pot, so by the mere fact that your seeds are my property, I should automatically acquire it. I shouldn't need anything. So he says, no. You have to do something. It's not enough. It's not considered like, like regular property that you can just acquire the seeds. You have to uh, do a chazak. It's no kinyi chazak. What if the owner, he owns the pot and he also owns the seeds? And he sells the pot and the seeds to another person. So if the other person, if he acquires the, the, the seeds, he does something, an act to demonstrate his ownership, he weeds it, or does something in the earth of the, inside the pot with the seeds, then he acquires the pot as well. Why? Because this is what we learned. This is a rule, a principle. I can acquire movable items together with unmovable items. I'm purchasing land, real estate. And I'm purchasing movable items. So I can do one acquisition and the real estate, and the real estate acquires everything. So too, I'm acquiring the seeds. The seeds are like real estate. It's earth. It's attached to the ground. Getting its sustenance from the ground. It's a perforated pot. So by acquiring the seeds and the earth, I'm already acquiring the pot itself. The other person is already acquiring the pot itself, the movable item. So usually with movable items, you can't acquire with money or just a document or a chazaka. You have to pull. But here, since I'm acquiring the real estate, either through money or through a document or through a chazaka, so I, order, I also acquire together with it the movable items. But what if Hechzik bought it? What if the buyer expresses his ownership in the pot? Because that's not a way you can acquire the pot. The pot is a movable item. You can't acquire it to the Chazaka. Chazaka only works on earth and on real estate. Mm-hmm. You have to pull. So if, you, if you're holding on, I didn't, I didn't, not only didn't I acquire the seeds, because I didn't do a chazaka in the earth and the seeds, I did a chazaka in the pot. Chazaka doesn't work for a pot, so he doesn't acquire anything. They can both back down. There, there, there was no kinyan here, there's no acquisition. He has to do a chazaka in the zroyim, in the earth, in the pot, in the, in the seeds. Okay. Now, this is all a whole discussion on perforated pots. What if Nikvubad? If you have a perforated pot in the land of Israel, in the Holy Land, but the branches extend outside. It's on the border. The pot is on the border. So the hole is in the land of Israel. And the tree that's growing is sticking out of the border, out of the land of Israel. So what do we do? Are you obligated to tithe or not? Is it considered part of Israel? Are the fruits considered part of Israel or not? I have an argument. Well, we follow the, we follow the uh, whole. It's in the land of Israel, so you're obligated to tithe. Rava argues, We follow. We go after the branch. So, so vice versa. You know, we work the other way around also. Whatever the branch is. If the hole is outside of Israel and the branch is in Israel, Rabbi would say you have to tie the bias is no. We always follow 
the whole, the root, the source of sustenance. Tree get its sustenance. Abayah says the tree gets its main sustenance from its roots, from the ground. Rabbi says no, the tree gets its main sustenance from its environment, from the ear and the sun and the environment of the branches, the branches. That's where it's main sustenance. Very, very interesting. You look inside the depth, the source, you get your sustenance from the home, from the source, or you get most of your sustenance from the outside environment. Now, the Gemara says, the If the plants already grew roots outside the perforation in the soil, if the, if the roots already went through the hole and grew roots in the soil, Everyone holds, if you have roots, of course we follow the roots. No one argues, even Rava would agree. If you sunk roots, then of course the principal nourishment is your roots. There are no roots. You're just getting sustenance because there's a hole and you're sitting, you're resting on the earth, so you're drawing the sustenance, the earth in the, in the pot is drawing its sustenance from the earth below. But that, that's not the main source of nourishment. According to Rava, if there's no roots, the main source is the branches. This isn't whole though. What? The Rav is saying, yes, yes, without the water is nothing, but without the ear and the sun, there's also nothing. So why, why should I give him meiser? It's chutzlaret. He says, no, since I also need a central. Since the, the part of Israel is also a central. So therefore, you give him meiser. No, they're not arguing a scientific fact. They're arguing question is, what's the, uh, since, it's, since you need the part of Eretz Yisrael, you need the sustenance, so therefore you're Chayiv HaMaisen. Rav says, no, that since you are, since you also need the other, the other things outside, out of Eretz Yisrael, different now. But if it takes roots, I guess then it's much different. Then it's like rooted in Eretz Yisrael. Then there's no question that since it's rooted in the Holy Land, even if you're sticking elsewhere, your nose is elsewhere, but you're rooted, <laughs> you're rooted in the right place, <laughs> then you're good, you're okay, you're still holy, you're still chayav and maizah. Okay. You're saying that they don't argue in the case if the roots already take root, but na'an, we learned in the Mishnah, what if you have two gardens, two gardens, one on top of the other. And the Yodek Bintayim, vegetables grow in the wall separating the gardens. You have a garden here, and then a garden here. And there are vegetables growing, <laughs> sticking out of the... So who does it belong to, the upper garden or the lower garden? It belongs to the upper garden. Because it grows in the soil. And the soil is of the upper garden. The garden, the, the floor of the garden, of the lower garden ends here. Anything above, that's the floor of the upper garden. So since it, it's rooted in the floor of the upper garden, so it belongs to the upper garden. That's our mayor's opinion. No, it belongs to the owner of the lower garden. Why? Because since it gets its nourishment from the ear of the lower garden, if it was the upper garden, you would just have earth. There wouldn't be any ear. The fact that they have ear, the ear belongs to the, uh, the lower garden. And that's, that's its primary source. He says, of course you need all three. The question is, which is primary? So he says, this is, this is, this is a greater, 
Also, you say the sunlight and and the air and the so you so you get it's two against one. <laughs> so therefore, there you go. Therefore, right. So therefore, you get from the lower garden. It belongs to the lower garden. So we see that even if it takes roots. This is the same argument. This argument of Rabbi and Rav is an ancient argument of Rabbi and Rav Yehuda. Do we follow the roots or do we follow, that's the primary, the water, without the roots is nothing. Or no, without the ear, without the, the sunlight there's nothing. Also, there's another question, because why Rabbi and Rav are arguing about a question that was already, we already had this issue. He says, no, there's no connection between our two things. Awesome, over there, the reason is, like, if the, if the upper garden will remove his earth, I want to destroy my garden, it's my garden. If he removes all of his earth, there is no, there is no vegetable, there's nothing growing anymore. Ain't and the Buddha argues back. It's my garden. I can do whatever I want. I can fill it up with earth. If I fill it up with earth, there's nowhere for it to grow. There's no air. There's no. There's no atmosphere. So there's nowhere for it to grow. So then there's no yerek. That's why. That's why he owns it. Ain't So it's nothing to do with our issue. We're not. They're not arguing what's primary. That's why Abayevadov is a novel argument. There's an argument, brother. Who he says, listen, without my earth, it's all gone. And the other said, without my ear. There's nothing here. So who's, who, who's primary? The lower or the above? The one above. But here the question is, you need all three. You need the nourishment and you need the ear. You need it. But which is primary of the two? If you have a choice, which, which, which one is it? This is the argument that by it up. So, but then the Gemara said, but if it's Ashrushi, if it's rooted, even Rabbah will agree that that's primary. The roots, like you say. The roots, that's primary. You have to go, who are the ancestors? Who are the roots? If the, we're rooted. Still in all, you say you're sure that they don't argue, even even if it, if it has roots already. If you have a tree, partial, it's partially situated in Israel. Half of the tree is in Israel, and half of the tree is outside the land of Israel. So we say, they have a mixture. The fruits are a mixture. The fruits are part tevel and part chulin. The part that's outside of Eretz Yisrael is chulin. The part that's inside of Eretz Yisrael is, 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 is tevel. It's, you're obligated to type. Rabbi Gamliel argues, he says, no, Hagod Chayiv, Hagod Potter. He says, the, the fruits that grow in the half of the tree inside the land of Israel you're obligated to type and the fruits will grow on the other half of the tree you're not obligated and Nebi says no because you follow the roots since the root of the tree is rooted the whole tree has roots in the land of Israel so the whole tree <laughs> the whole tree is considered so why is it chulin? why is it you have roots in both areas the roots of the tree half of the roots are in the land of Israel Half of the roots are outside the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. So all the fruits have a mixture. Mm-hmm. It gets its nourishment that has right. both roots. It right, has right, roots right. in Israel. So it's half and half. So each one, it's like, it's like 50-50. Right. So each fruit is a mixture, a combination of tutevel and chulit. Um, okay. So obviously, so therefore you have to, so what do you do? You have to use other fruits to tithe than these fruits. You can't tithe these fruits. You can't tie these fruits with other fruits that are completely tevel. 
Because he could only tithe he could only tithe fruits for something that's 100% that needs tithing. So the, the only thing you can do is, since these fruits are, we don't know which is which, 50% yes, 50% not. So I guess you have to tithe from these fruits on these fruits, from these fruits itself. When you tithe other fruits, it has to be on f- for these fruits. It has to be fruits that are 100% tavel. It's not 100% tavel. It's 50. So I guess I could only tithe from the fruits of the tree itself, or the fruits of the tree itself. Can't tithe anything. Then they would cover it. They would cover it equally. So what do we see? That according to Rebbe, even if it's taken root. I'm sorry, according to Abshimun Gamliel, even if it's taking root, even though it's rooted in Eretz Yisrael, half of the tree is rooted in Eretz Yisrael, we don't say that the whole, every fruit in the tree is 50-50. No, the fruits that are outside the land of Israel, we follow the year. It's outside the land of Israel, we follow the branch, we follow the fruits. It's 100% outside the land of Israel. It doesn't matter that the roots are, half of the roots, we don't say it's half of the roots are in Israel, so therefore half of the fruit that sticking out of Israel should be uh, tevel. No. So we see that this argument of is even even in the case of it's rooted. How can you say when it's rooted, even Rava agrees, everyone agrees that the primary we follow the roots. It's not true. Rabbi Shem Gamliel says we don't follow the roots. It's 100% the chulim. The fruits outside the land of Israel, even though the roots, half of its roots are in Israel, it doesn't matter. We follow where it's growing. That's all that matters. The only criteria that matters. It's 100% chulim. So my love, surely that argument in is talking about if part of the tree's branch is in Israel, part of the tree's branch is outside the land of Israel. So it doesn't matter, we don't follow the roots. We follow where the branches, since it's growing outside the land of Israel. So therefore, we follow the ear. And it's 100% chul in the coin of Shem Gamli. The mother says, No, you misunderstood the price. You misunderstood the price. The ear is talking about mixer shirashim ba'aretz and mixer shirashim ba'aretz. Some of the parts of the roots are in the land of Israel. Parts of the roots are outside the land of Israel. Holds, I'm sure Gamliel holds. It's not that the, the Gemara thought that the roots are in Israel. All of the roots are in Israel. Even if all the roots are in Israel, Abshim Gamliel says that we follow. We follow the um, the branch. Since the branch, the part of the tree that's outside of Israel, the fruits are growing outside of Israel, it's all that matters. Even if all the roots were in Israel. But if the branch sticks out outside the border, therefore it's 100 that part, those fruits are 100% chulim. He says, no, you misunderstood. The full tree, the trunk of the tree is sitting on the border. Half, half in Israel, half outside of Israel. Some of the 50% of the roots are in Israel. 50% of the roots are outside of Israel. And the argument is, he holds 
that the fruits of this side get all of its nourishment from the roots that are on this side, outside the land of Israel. The fruits on the side of Israel gets all of its nourishment from the, from the roots that are on the same side. That's the argument. Nebi says, no, there's roots, it doesn't matter where they are, outside of Israel, all the fruits get the nourishment I mean, all, from all of the roots, which is half of the land of Israel. That's why he says that each fruit is like 50-50. And vice versa. The fruits in Israel also get its roots from half of the roots which are outside in Israel. That's the argument. But in the case of us, it's Nakiv with his roots. There's no question. We follow, everyone holds you follow the roots. The only question is, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says that this side of the tree gets its roots from outside of Israel and this side of the tree gets, it, gets the fruits, gets its nourishment from the roots of, of inside of Israel. And they don't mix. And Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, and Rabbi says, no. They mix the, the roots. All the fruits from all over the tree get its nourishment from all of the roots, whoever they may be. So of course, everyone holds we follow the roots. That's what you might have said earlier. Even Rabbi will agree that you follow the roots. If there's roots, no one will argue that you have to tie it. Mm-hmm. The artist knock of already sprouted roots and it's, it's rooted in the ground, in the earth. Even Rabbi will agree that, that, that you have to tie it. It's only if it uh, uh, didn't take root. Didn't take root. Then Rabbi says that, that we follow the... Uh, if it sticks outside of the border of Israel, we follow the ear. Okay. And what's the reason of Why do you assume that every fruit on this side of the tree gets its nourishment from the roots of this side of the tree? And every fruit of the, uh, the side of the tree in Israel gets its roots from the side of Israel. The roots just pull up the sap. And the sap spreads to all the fruits of the tree. <laughs> this side, this side. What? Sigmar answers the mafsik tun. Talking about there's a rock that separates the roots along the border. So one side, half of the roots on this side of the rock, half of the roots on the other side of the rock. So therefore, in that case, Rabbi Gamliel says that the fruits only get on this side of the tree get its nourishment just from the from uh, the fruits from from the, these roots and not the other roots. My time with the Rebbe, then what's the reason of the Rebbe? If there's a rock separating the roots, then you have a real border. Yeah, you have a real border. And also, doesn't it make sense that the fruits on this side of the tree get its nourishment from this side? See, Mother said, the Rebbe holds that since the, the trunk is one entity, they're separated by the roots. There's a rock separating the roots. But the trunk is one entity, so when the sap is drawn, then they all mix, and then the same sap goes to all the fruits. My So what, what, what are they arguing? What's the argument? That even though the roots are separated, the trunk mixes together all the nutrients. So it's considered as one unit. Each side of the tree is, in, is, is separate, is independent. The ear, he doesn't mean the ear, he means the trunk, which is, which is above ground. So the, above the ground, the ear, the trunk above the ground, mixes them all together. It's considered like one unit. Shemgamliel says, no, we have to look at the roots. Follow the roots. The roots are separate. And even the trunk appears to be one, mm-hmm. they stay separate.
Each one is independent of the other. Our case, where all the roots are in the land of Israel, if the Atz is not with the perforated path, roots, it rooted in the ground, and everyone agrees, even Rabbi will agree, that it's considered like part of the land of Israel, so even the branch that extends outward of the boundary is obligated to tithe. He also, he doesn't, okay, Mishnah says, Rabbi Huda Mercedes says, that you're not allowed to write a get on a paper that's been erased or in difter, unfinished parchment. What's difter? There are three types of hides. Matzah, Chaifa, and difter. You're the scribe, so you should, uh, you should teach us this part of the Gemara. That's like full parchment that's not been separated. Usually. You can have the inside, the outside, or the hole. Tifter is the hole, and I don't think they write Sefer Torahs anymore with Tifter. They're much too heavy. Right, right. right. So matzah, matzah, k'mashmoy. Matzah means, It wasn't treated yet, the raw hide. They didn't add salt to it, they didn't put flour in it, or, or gallnut. These are all part of the processing of the rough parchment. First, you put salt, flyer, and gallant, right. Uh, since it's totally untreated, it's called like matzah, simple dough. You didn't do anything with it, right? It's not prepared. No leavening, nothing was prepared, nothing was done with it. Rawhide. What halacha, what are the implications? Leitzos Shabbos. When it comes to the laws of Shabbos, so you have to take out everything, every item has a different amount, a minimum amount required to violate the laws of Shabbos if you consider carrying. So what's the law of matzah? If you carry out matzah, totally unprocessed hide, nothing was done with it. So he says, what's the shir? You have to ca- carry enough matzah, enough rawhide to cover a small weight. Mishkal Ktan. To cover the, the weight. So it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't wear out. So it's like, a, so here, I don't need a fancy leather. Even an untreated piece of leather does the trick. So if that has, that, that's the minimum amount. So you have to carry something that's useful, beneficial, something that you can do something creative with. You can make a change, make a difference. So this is, matzah is only good for, this is the smallest thing that matzah is good for, to cover a weight. How much is that? It's the size of a fourth of a fourth, which is the smallest weight of pumpedis. So, so to cover this Wait, that's matzah. That's the size of matzah. Chaifa. is the maliach. It's salted, but it wasn't treated. Like it wasn't treated yet with flour or with or with gold. Also, let's The laws of Shabbos. The Kamash has its own shear. Or the last is Hide, which is a chaifa. To write enough to make an amulet. So again, to wrap an amulet, I don't need a fully processed piece of hide. I'm not going to use a matzah either. 
totally unprocessed. But if you salt it already, I can use it. It's partially tanned. It's already suitable for kamei. So that's so that's the minimum amount that if you carry on Shabbos, you're carrying something that could be useful. Of a of a of a chayf. Diftera, diftera is the maliach v'kamiach. I did two of the processes. I salted it and I put flour. office, but I didn't use golna. Or today they would use uh, lime, whatever. What's the practical difference? So it's Shabbos. For Shabbos, a kamish and what's the minimum amount that's used that this is used for? The large enough to write a get. Like it says in our mission, you could write a get and a difter. Not like, not like a Vudabim Mercedes says you can't. A fully, fully, fully worked uh, hide, fully tanned hide. That the Mishnah says in Shabbos, it's enough to write, the minimum amount is to write smaller section of the tefillin, which is even a smaller, each one is a smaller sheet. But the more processed it is, the more you can use it beneficially for something smaller. Mm-hmm. So matzah, difter, weight, a larger amount. Chaifa is kameya, which is a smaller. And difter is to write a get. And the clav is to write the small to write the smallest section of the tefillin. Okay, the rabbis say it's kosher. You could write a get on a previously erased paper and a different. who are the rabbis? I'm Rabbi said that this is the Amir Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar ben Pedas, who's a student of Rabbi Yechon. Rabbi Lazar, him. May we continue on side B. Rabbi Lazar, he's the Tanna. Rabbi Lazar, the and he holds up when the Torah says you should write, you should write the get. Doesn't say anywhere. The Torah doesn't mention anywhere about signing. You don't need to sign. You write a get, and then you hand it over in front of two witnesses, and that's all. And that's enough. So therefore, what do I care? It's a raise. The witnesses know it's written, and they'll testify. We're worried that if you're going to use a get that's a raise. Maybe the husband only gave a get on a condition. Since it's erased, you can erase it further. Erase the condition. Keep the witnesses. Erase the condition. And, and then she'll say, look, my husband divorced me. No, that's not what happened. He divorced you on a condition. You never fulfilled the condition. Maybe not. But he has nothing to worry about. Since Abel Lazar holds it's a day, Mesir Karzi, the Bezin is not just going to believe her. You bring a get, bring the witnesses who saw you, saw the husband deliver the get, give a hand to get over to you. And the witnesses can testify that there's no forgery. They read the get, and they know what's written in there, and they'll take a look, and they'll tell us, did any, was anything changed here? So what do I give? It was erased. You can't play games anyway, because, because the criteria, the primary other witnesses who saw the handling will know what's written in the get. Versus if you hold Eide Chasimika, like a mayor, the signatures, then, then we should worry. We do say the holds like a mayor, but Eide Chasimika, therefore, then you should worry, because if you write a get on a, on, a, on, a, on a race, if you allow a get on a race, so you can just erase, she'll just erase the condition, and she'll say, yeah, he wrote the get in the erase document. <laughs> and uh, she'll be legally divorced. Because according to the mayor, all she needs, the wife just has to bring witnesses to authenticate the signatures, and then she's good to go. But they, they don't know if it was, a, if it was, a, if it 
was a condition there. She erased it. She played around with it. Have no way of knowing. That's why. That's why. That's why the Behudim Seder says that um, that it's not good. Rabbi Lozer only allowed an erased get only if she produces the get immediately. She brings the get the same day. It was delivered to her, given to her, handed over to her. And the witnesses who testified, who saw the transfer from the husband to the wife, it's still fresh in the memory. They read the get. But if, it's, if it comes 10 days later, Witnesses can't remember. You think they have a million things in their mind. It's not the only thing that happened in their life. So maybe she could erase. And she'll, and she'll say, yeah, yeah, we know the get. We remember that. We remember that the husband was a big deal. The husband divorced his wife. was a big deal. But the details, that there was a condition, there wasn't a condition, that maybe she played around with it, she erased it. They're not going to remember. He said, but, we can't let the I'm sorry. We worry that maybe there was a condition she forged it. Even up to 10 days, it's also good. They would remember. That's the cut of the 10 days. Until 10 days, people would remember. And Rabbi Lazar says, no. Like a news cycle, it has a one day, one day shelf life, and uh, people forget. Move on to the next thing. I'm Rabbi Lazar. Another thing Rabbi Lazar said: This Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar only allowed this the use of diftera or things that could be erased only in the case of gitin, because you want to release it. You don't want it to be in aguna. You don't want it to be chained. No, the whole purpose of a get is to allow her to marry. So the moment she gets the get, that very same day she's running to the court and say, authorize me that I can get married. I'm free. I'm a free woman. I'm single. I can get married. And that's public knowledge. It's a big deal. It's a big news. So she doesn't need the get anymore. Everyone knows the court authorized. It's public knowledge. It's a big talk of town that the court, also later on, she can throw out the get. She can burn it. Doesn't need it anymore. She had permission from the Besdin to marry. So there's nothing to worry about. So that day, it's very, you know, it's very likely the witnesses are going to remember the condition. But any other document, other documents not, because if you have a document, you're not going to use it until a later date. Someone's going to claim that you never bought it or you never, you never lend me money. At that time, I think the witnesses are going to remember. It's a condition, not a condition. You erased it, you didn't erase it. Are you kidding me? Even if you don't have early Alzheimer's, who can remember so much of my head, so much of my mind? It's not fresh in my memory. It's not exactly I'm thinking about it, reviewing it, or etching it into my memory. So therefore, therefore, other documents not. See if it says that the, the prophet... Yirmiya tells the Jewish people about to go into Golis when you go into exile you should place your documents in earthen vessels that will endure many days that when you buy if you're buying a field you're buying and, yeah, and um, 
right before you're about to go into Golis. So if you're writing a deed, he says, preserve the deed until, until you're going to come back from the exile. It's going to be 70 years later. So preserve it. Hold on to it. Place it in the earthenware. Preserve it. So you'll have a proof of the deed that you actually bought, bought the property. So you see that that you have to have documents that could last. Any other document has to last for 70 years. That's, I need it. It's a deed. You have to hold on to it. A get, you don't need That day, she goes to the basement, she gets an authorization, she's good to go. Mm-hmm. So only by getting did Rebbe Lazar say that uh, you can use um, diftera or, or write on, the, on something that's erased. Abiyechan says no. Diftera you can use even by stutters. What's Rabbi Yechon going to do? Yirmiya told Baruch and Nadia you should place your document in, preserve it. He's just giving him good advice. Protect your interest. Write it on paper that's enduring, but halachically, legally, you don't really have to. I I think tomorrow we'll do the Mishnah. It starts a whole new Indian. Everyone have a wonderful day.